Welcome to Psychology Radiocast, a service of the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. I'm your host, Dr. David Zerung. Today, I'm sitting down with Dr. Jessica Black to discuss our next episode. Well, hi, Dr. Black. Welcome back. And I understand that you've been doing some more interviewing. Can you tell us about the interview that we're about to hear this time? Sure. So at the annual convention for the Pennsylvania Psychological Association, or PPA, I was able to sit down with the chair of the State Board of Psychology, Dr. Don Giovanni, and we had a great discussion. Listeners are going to have the opportunity to hear about the board's mission, what their purpose is, what they serve to the community and to psychologists have the opportunity to hear about new changes, relatively new changes to the licensing law and how the board is navigating that. And also, you know, he dispels, I think, some common misconceptions that many of us have as psychologists about what the state board does. Yeah, I was amazed at how much you folks covered in a 30-minute interview. Now, leading up to interviewing him, I'm wondering what that was like for you, uh, because especially early on in my career, every time I would get a piece of mail from the board, my, my heart would jump a few beats and <laughs> I'd feel some anxiety till I opened it up and realized that it was nothing serious. What was it like for you? Yes, I think that's a great point. I agree. I don't know if it's, you know, the experience for everyone, but I had a very similar experience. So I was anxious to interview Dr. Don Giovanni because we know that the board has the ability to have disciplinary action over us as psychologists. So that's intimidating. And I'm really glad I had the opportunity to sit down with him because he's very personable and welcoming. And I really learned so much about that if you're really trying to, you know, do good work and good practice and follow ethical guidelines then we don't need to be maybe as concerned as some of us, including myself, are about the board. One of the things that I found interesting was that there's two former PPA presidents on the board. So uh, PPA appears well represented. Mm-hmm. And I also found it interesting that board members come from uh, across the state. And so there's a diversity of mm-hmm. geography. And in the pre-show, you were making a comment about that as well. Yes. Yeah, so I was really surprised by how board members are selected, and it really incited a lot of trust, at least for me, and the board's work. So you'll hear in the episode how they're selected. It's a careful process. You have to be nominated by your local state senator and then approved by the governor, and there's a real effort made to diversify the representatives on the board. So as you mentioned, there are psychologists from all different parts of the state. Pennsylvania is a large state, so I think that's important because where you practice, the demographics might be very different. And in addition to that, the specialties of the board members are very different. Dr. Don Giovanni was at a state psychiatric hospital for years in his career, and he worked with um, different populations, including, you know, sex offenders, and he also had the opportunity to have practicum students. So he brings that to the board, whereas other people are working in private practice and other people are doing neuropsychology type of work. 
So I feel like psychologists, no matter your subspecialty, I think there's some solace in knowing that someone who's doing similar work to you and understands your specific ethical dilemmas is being represented on the board. At the conclusion of your interview, I really liked the encouragement that he gave for psychologists. And so I'm going to get throw that out as a teaser. I'm not going to give a spoiler here, but I really appreciated that as a psychologist mm-hmm. hearing what he had to say there. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way to end. And it's also a sign of how caring he is. Definitely stay tuned for that. Now, for our listeners, our interviews are often done in the field, so you might hear some background noise during parts of the interviews, so we ask that you bear with us during those segments. And now for the interview. I'm Dr. Jessica Black, a licensed clinical psychologist. Today, I'm in Pittsburgh at the annual convention for the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. Our guest is psychologist Dr. Vito Don Giovanni, the chair of the Pennsylvania State Board of Psychology. Thank you so much for being here to discuss the role and the mission of the State Board, as well as recent changes to the licensing law. When psychologists first seek licensure through the state, we learn all about the board and the relevant laws. Oftentimes, though, we don't revisit that information, and so it naturally starts to fade over time. And it seems that Many psychologists, whether it's due to fear of embarrassment or punishment, sort of shy away then from asking the board questions or even their colleagues questions when they need guidance on a situation. So for that reason, I'm so glad that you're with us today to refresh our memories about the state board, to inform us of the recent changes to the licensing law, and perhaps even dispel some myths about the State Board. Um, So hopefully at the end of this podcast, the psychologists who are listening will leave more knowledgeable about the State Board and the laws and feel more comfortable in knowing how to proceed when they may need guidance on a situation. Sure. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Jessica, for inviting me. Yeah, Yeah, it's a... uh, before I was on the board, I've been on the board five years, <clears throat> and it was always with trepidation that people talked about the board because, you know, it was this kind of mysterious entity out there. Right. They could take my license away. Right. They were going to uh, have uh, me investigated or right. complaints against me. So uh, it, it's it been a, uh, a very gratifying appear- uh, experience to see it from the inside, that it's really not that. Um, One of the misconceptions is that the board advocates for psychology, and that's not really the case. PPA advocates for psychology. They're the professional guild. The state board is constituted to protect the public from behaviors that psychologists may may be detrimental to, to their mental health. And we can't cross those lines because mm-hmm. we can't advocate. We cannot um, even give advice if someone calls our, our office. Well, what was the, the if it's an ethical dilemma? Mm-hmm. What do you think I should do in this case? Well, we can't really answer that because mm-hmm. depending on what happens, they may it may turn out to be uh, a complaint, mm-hmm. or the uh, defense would be well, the board told me to. 
So many years ago, we, the, it was determined that the board cannot give advice. Huh? What we would do would be to, well, you can call PPA, mm -hmm. you can call your risk management insurance organization, the trust or whomever. Um, you can check with colleagues, but mm -hmm. we would give that type of advice, but right. not exactly on specific cases. Um, so that, that's kind of the biggest difference between the, I guess, of PPA and, and the board. The board is made up of six psychologists, okay. two public members, and one, is the, the ninth member is the commissioner of the uh, Bureau of Professional and Occupational Affairs, the Department of State in Harrisburg. Okay. The six psychology members are all, well, we all are, we just happened at this point to have six psychology members and no public members. Mm. So if anybody, listening to this once knows anyone that they can't be a psychologist but any member of the public can uh, apply to be a, uh, on the board. Uh, we just recently well, lost an, uh, a, uh, an attorney from mm -hmm. Harrisburg that was on the board for almost eight years and so he, he's left us but uh, so there's two vacancies. We get appointed by the governor. The state senator in your local area submits your name to the governor's office. The governor's office does a time kind of pro forma investigation to see if you're worthy or not. And if they if found uh, worthy, then they would send our name to the state senate. Mm -hmm. And all nominees have to be voted on by the senate. So we're actually appointed by the governor and confirmed by the senate four-year terms and they're rotating through. I'm now in my second, I was reappointed in October uh, of 18, so I will serve until the uh, October of 2022. And so we have people in various degrees of uh, terms and so forth. So that's kind of the mission that we, we hope to protect the public, mm -hmm. but we don't want to be kind of the scary entity that people don't know. So, so we we welcome an opportunity to do this. Mm -hmm. We spoke today here at PPA, uh, lunch with the board, we called it, and uh, gave a little background of what the board does, some of the budgetary issues, what happens in an investigation when right. we receive a complaint, and uh, then took questions from the floor. So it was it was very gratifying to hear some of the feedback, you know. That's so interesting. I think several things you said really stood out to me. So mm -hmm. one, I do think that there is such a misconception that when you have an ethical dilemma or when you need guidance on a clinical situation, right. that you're to go to the board. Right. And at the same time, right, you serve um, in a disciplinary role. And, and so that doesn't work well. And Correct. so you've decided we're not going to try to do that, right? Right. The PPA is a great resource for you and then whoever right. you have your insurance through. That's right. Um, and the second thing, I've been licensed not very long, probably about four to five years ago I was licensed in Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. became licensed initially. And I didn't realize how you were appointed to the board. And Correct. so that's very interesting. And I think it also, for me, hearing that kind of incites a lot of trust 
right? There's mm -hmm. kind of several checks and balances Correct. before someone is in that position. Correct. Correct. How did you become interested well, in serving on the board? We do, well, I'm kind of at the twilight of my career, quite frankly. I've, I've been licensed since 1980, mm -hmm. so um, I've kind of lived through quite a bit of change mm -hmm. in the field. And as I backed away from my uh, active clinical practice, I wasn't really willing to give it all up. Right. Right. And the board seemed to be a nice way to keep my hand in the field, so mm -hmm. to speak, uh, and to make a, a difference uh, for the field right. in, in the Commonwealth. So asking around, and actually, you know, PPA kind of endorsed me. Mm -hmm. um, that isn't always the case, but that sometimes it happens that way. Sure. Um, in fact, we have two PPA ex-presidents on the board now, Dr. Yeah. Small and Dr. McAleer. Um, so it, it waxes and wanes, mm -hmm. and people have different uh, motivations for jo joining the board. For me, it was just kind of to keep my hand in here in the twilight of my career. Yeah. Given that you've practiced for that long, mm -hmm. too, right? So you were practicing for around, what, 30 years? Sure, and actually I was an employee at Torrance State Hospital, one of the largest state hospitals, for right. 35 years as head of, and eventually head of the psychology department and head of a sex offender program. Inpatient sex offender program uh, during my last five years there. So, and, and I had a small private practice. So, I, I saw all kinds of changes in, all, in, in terms of therapeutic interventions and regulatory changes and social changes that we had to adapt to. So, I think that experience has served me in pretty good stead in my, uh, in my board duties. Yeah, that's invaluable, right? So yeah. not only did you have the administrative piece right. where you saw the regulation, right. you had the direct clinical experience yeah. because there's only so much that you can glean from classroom work, right, sure. about how to face sure. ethical dilemmas. Sure. And last year I attended an ethical seminar that PPA hosted mm -hmm. and we did small group work. Mm -hmm. And it was just so helpful to have experienced psychologists be mm -hmm. honest about different Correct. times they face yeah. situations. Yeah, yeah. Try and that, done that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and then to have someone sitting on the board and now as chair of the state board mm -hmm. who really understands how difficult some of these ethical dilemmas are right. and at the same time that you have to protect the public. So you can walk that balance. Hopefully, well. that's true. And what's also kind of unique about this board is we have a variation of different psychology uh, specialties on the board. We have Dr. McAleer specialized in neuropsych. Oh. Um, Dr. Uh, Spade has been in um, private practice mm -hmm. for a while in geriatric psychiatry. Uh, Dr. Erickson is in forensics mm -hmm. as a forensic psychologist out of York. Um, Dr. Small's in a private practice in, in um, around Reading, okay. and uh, Dr. Bradley is in the counseling center at Gettysburg College. Oh, so wonderful! We have that aspect too. So. Yeah, so you see people who are treating um, individuals with inpatient, Pretty much. more mm -hmm. severe psychopathology, right. people with adjustment issues, a wide range. Right, right. You mentioned that when you were at Torrance State Hospital, you would see changes in regulations mm -hmm. and things like that. Tell us a little bit about recent changes to the licensing law sure. in Pennsylvania. Well, as you probably know, two years ago, the 
legislature uh, enacted Act 53, which changed the licensing law mm -hmm. in Pennsylvania. Part of what they did was allow for practicum hours, supervisory hours, to count toward licensure, mm -hmm. pre-doc pre hours as opposed to post-doc hours, uh, which had never been done before. Right. And so that entailed the board setting back, and it's the law, so we, mm -hmm. we what happens when you pass a law is that the law is passed and then the board is charged with developing regulations to implement that law. And that's the green book, if you remember right, the green right, book that you yes, took yeah. uh, when you took the licensing exam right. for the state. So that green book has to change with the, with the law. Right. So one of our duties is the regulatory functions is to adapt our regulations to the new law. And one of, the, one of the regulations that we'll be taking up very soon will be this practicum supervisory um, mandate. So we will be able to look at practicum hours much as they were, are for uh, internship and postdoc mm -hmm. hours to count toward, the, toward licensure. The, the only proviso that we have is those supervisory situations must be the same as pre-doc or post-doc supervision. There the used to be a time, and again, because you know I've been a veteran at this, mm -hmm. where practicum was pretty much going looking at, you know, we had them at the state hospital right. where you know an undergrad or a grad student would come in, they would maybe give a, an exam, they would mm -hmm. maybe sit in, in uh, a group therapy situation, <laughs> And you know maybe you got supervision and maybe you didn't, right. but it was kind of hit or miss. Mm -hmm. We didn't want to be in a situation where we had to accept those type hours. Right. What what we're finding though, and through conversations with PPAGs and, and other students and, and some of the um, faculty, is that that doesn't happen that way anymore. That practicum hours and supervisory hours are essentially uh, equivalent. Right. to the type of uh, supervision that one receives yeah. in your, your uh, internship program or postdoc. Mm -hmm. And that was important to us. Right. And so we'll accept that actually right now before the regulations are written because it's in the law. But the same forms need to be used for um, supervision compliance that we use for pre-doc hours and postdoc hours. Uh, and we'll be reviewing them on a case-by-case -case basis until we get the regulations in place to um, implement it. So you're following the law mm -hmm. and at the same time with your knowledge of psychology and practice and training, mm -hmm. you're able to create regulations that really do protect the public. Just watching sure. a group psychotherapy session is Correct. not going to count without Correct. sufficient supervision. Is not going to count towards someone being able to independently practice. Correct. Right. That's correct. So, uh, and and that's the bottom line. When we have deliberations, for example, on if there is a complaint and it's investigated, and the uh, uh, prosecution attorneys come to us and say, "This is what happened," we suggest this penalty, whether it be a fine or suspension or probation or, uh, 
or just revocation, we'll look and say we'll look at the entire case and say what's the best way to protect the public, mm -hmm. and is it we have for example we'll have someone who uh, did something in practice that was unethical, it, and it was a one-time deal, but it was significant enough to warrant. Uh, an investigation right. and uh, prosecution. So it comes to us and, and we have to, to weigh whether or not taking this individual's license away completely is warranted for this one-time situation where no one was really injured but it, they could have been mm -hmm. injured psychically. So what's the best way to protect the public? Well, okay, it's been by the time this goes through the process, it might be a couple years, maybe, for someone. So they've been practicing for two years without any more complaint. Um, would it be, can we put this individual on probation and ask for a practice monitor, mm -hmm. which would, in essence, put them under supervision mm. for all their therapy cases with another licensed psychologist, and it's that relationship between their supervisor and themselves that help them through, and we may give some CE credit recommendations and uh, requirements over and above if it's a, if it's a boundary issue or if it's a uh, uh, charting issue or CE, whatever. We may say, well, okay, you're now going to have to get, actually take three, 30 more credits of mm -hmm. boundary uh, violation issue mm -hmm. seminars. Right. So. It, it's really varied on how we do it, but the bottom line is what's the best for the public and if this individual is working well and we can find a supervisor, what happens is in those situations, a, uh, the individual will submit to the board three names with their vitas and um, their background and we'll select one person that will serve as this individual's practice monitor hmm. for the um, duration of the probation, whether it's six weeks or five years. So it's, um, so it, we do have some leeway to, to discipline. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, I did not know that. So I would imagine, and maybe this isn't the case, but I would imagine that there would be times where when you're looking at violations or um, looking at things that are ethically questionable, you mm -hmm. face an ethical dilemma mm -hmm. of how to proceed. Um, so, well, it, when does that come up for you, or does it? In a way, it, it's not so much ethical because the rules are the rules, the, the um, regulations are the regulations, the law is the law. And if they've been investigated and the prosecution comes up with the evidence, then we can pretty much uh, go by the fact that this happened and now the the question is how's best to proceed through uh, through disciplinary process whether it be fines or suspensions or whatever at some point the individual under investigation and the state will come together and have uh, a meeting they will mediate the situation and come with a consent degree okay I agree to pay a fine and I agree to have my license suspended for three months, and then it goes, then it will go away, or we'll be, I'll be in probation for X amount of, of months. Um, 
the hearings can occur over this if they say okay I don't want to do that I want my day in court essentially in front of the board uh, the individual will come in and there was a it's, it's much like a court case where you have a prosecution attorney you have a defense attorney you have the respondent this is not not really defense there are defendants it's not a civil case or a criminal case but it is a civil case not a criminal case and our board counsel will serve as kind of the judge and keep it rolling and and the board members are kind of the jury but we're allowed to ask questions mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of a fascinating process uh, and then we come up with with a remedy whether we think it did happen or not happen and what the penalty should be um, and the bottom line is after we come up with a decision the respondent is able to uh, agree to it mm -hmm. or appeal it to the Commonwealth Court so mm -hmm. it comes out of the the board uh, of psychology mm -hmm. actually into the court system so they were the court then reviews what the processes that we went through and in some cases they will say well go back and look at this again because we think you missed something or it was too hard or they'll and it just happened this week they said no you, you did it's fine mm -hmm. so um, that's an interesting aspect yeah, of the, the too so yeah that's fascinating yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're going into you're about halfway through your second four-year actually, term no actually I'm, I'm probably I was December oh, no, 2008. 2018 oh, okay okay so, so you're just beginning yeah, your second three and a half term. years yeah, yeah. Um, so what have you seen as some of the most common ways that psychologists run into it, situations where the board is reviewing right. what they, their work and and that's difficult because it's very it's varied we see a lot of individuals doing the CEs they're not completing their C's, and why? I mean, it. it, it it's it's. Um, they're audited randomly. Mm -hmm. In fact, I was audited a number of years ago, right. where you have to come up with the 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 right certification mm -hmm. paper to say that you were been been there. Um, but some people just don't. I mean, for or, or or they do the wrong ones, and mm -hmm. they miss the ethics, or they now miss mm -hmm. the child abuse thing. So, it's like common sense right. things that uh, show up. Then we get individuals that uh, they've alleged to have intimate relationships with clients. Mm. I mean, it's like graduate school 101. Right. You know, right. where did they come from? Why you you know what's so uh, so it runs the gambit right. and. Um, Custody, custody cases, child custody cases are difficult because in, in many instances, you know, it's a conflictual situation mm -hmm. and one party's going to feel aggrieved from the other. If they don't agree with the psychologist, maybe a complaint comes in that they did something untoward. Sometimes we'll, we've had cases where now, in, in custody evaluations, you need the consent of both parents, even if they're mm -hmm. separated, to evaluate a child. We'll find that they didn't get the father's consent or they didn't get the mother's consent. And, and it was like very common sense things right. sometimes where you say, well, well what, what are you thinking? You know, so, <laughs> and, uh, but sometimes it's, it's also difficult because if you're aggrieved, you may just file a complaint because you're aggrieved. Right. And 
We may never see those. Most of the time we won't because the prosecution or the investigation team will see that there's nothing there at all. So, yeah. so it really is variable. There's cases where psychologists, Very much so. whether they got too comfortable or, or whatever, just stop yeah. really keeping track of how often they're mm -hmm. getting continuing education, what types of continuing education, right. to or boundary multiple issues. relationships, yeah. boundary Dual, issues. boundary right. issues. Right. Um, it, it's it, it's a slippery slope because uh, it and then in many ca those cases, unless it's a, a very egregious case, it will be um, some type of probation mm -hmm. or suspension and further education mm -hmm. on boundary issues or on ethics uh, or on some you know we'll, we'll get individuals that build Medicare or Medicaid um, and maybe didn't have the session but they built them anyway or then they but they said you know it was just a, a paper error and right. so it, it gets very complicated I'm very grateful for our investigative team mm -hmm. that through the Department of State and the Bureau of Professional Occupational Affairs they handle all that investigation there are some states and jurisdictions around the country that the, the board has to do the investigations oh wow and that it's, would be so it's very time-consuming yeah. and uh, and problematic I would think right and we have we have 6,200 psychologists now, so um, it's it's a, a large uh, population to deal with. Right. The majority of them practice with not an issue. Mm -hmm. uh, as you probably know, our malpractice rates are very low mm -hmm. because we uh, we just don't mm -hmm. have some of the issues that other professions have. Mm -hmm. And I like to think because we do spend a great deal of time on ethics and dealing with. Uh, you know, judgment issues in therapeutic situations, and I think we, by and large, do a pretty good job of it. Earlier in the interview, you brought up one of the biggest, what you see as one of the biggest misconceptions about the board. Mm -hmm. Changing the direction a little bit to a more personal direction, what, do you, what has surprised you the most in serving yeah. on the board? Yeah. It, it, other than the fact that some individuals do some very untoward things that you just very surprised you did what you know those type of things um, but I was surprised at the dedication that first of all the the state employees have mm -hmm. for the board uh, the attorneys and our administrative staff and the investigators are very thorough very professional um, and well-trained and and they, they're very good at what they do and and the, and the board itself now, the way it's made up, is very collegial. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there was no, and you hear stories, you know, way back when where, mm -hmm. you know, this, this board had a faction of this type and right. against this faction, nothing got done and it was uh, very problematic. Well, we, I see none of that in our board. Our board is, uh, we have a good mix of individuals as I said, different backgrounds, but mm -hmm. I think that's, that's positive for the board functioning. So, I would I would definitely see that as a yeah. positive as well, right? Yeah. Because you're seeing psychologists who practice in all different areas. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, really, you were impressed with how ethical and just the state operates. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I, the I, and, and I was don't get me wrong. I was a state employee for 35 years. Right. right. So, uh, I knew the ins and outs of the state, right. and, and there's a huge bureaucracy. Can sometimes people can get. Uh, not lazy, but routine in the way they do things sure. that uh, may not be 
the best in the long mm -hmm. run. You know, all state, all state employees I found out are just terrific people. Mm -hmm. um, and but this situation where they have to do investigations of professionals in their practice can be not touchy, but it can't. It, it takes a certain degree of uh, awareness mm -hmm. of what they're going into and how they're going to do it. And, and I'm impressed how they how they handle themselves really. That's wonderful. So, you know, if someone's, if a psychologist or someone interested in psychology is listening mm -hmm. to this episode and they only can take away one thing, what would you like them to take away mm. from it, our it, episode? Interesting question. Um, well, again, as you know, there's so many different types of psychology. So, I guess one, one question, one answer is, wouldn't suffice, but you've got to be true to yourself and where you want to go. And, and many times you won't figure out what, it's, it's hard enough to figure out you want to be a psychologist, but then to specialize in a certain area takes a, another time to gel. So I guess my suggestion would be to, to try a lot of different areas of the field. Um, it's a great profession. It's been terrific for me for 40 years. Um, and it's it's a wonderful, and I, you know, being a clinical psychologist, mm -hmm. I, you know, it was very gratifying for me to be able to have a positive impact, hopefully a positive mm -hmm. impact on my clients. But people coming into the field, you know, some people enjoy drug and alcohol work. Mm -hmm. There's a growing need for, for that in the field. Um, and uh, it's uh, neuro, neuropsych. Mm -hmm. The forensics, it's, it's wide open for a young person right. that wants to, wants to be involved and follow in our shoes, I guess. So. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to make sure you were able to relay that I didn't ask you about? No, I don't think so. I think you did pretty well uh, asking the, some questions. But again, I think that um, people need to know that, you know, we're not the boogeyman out there mm -hmm. uh, that... Uh, to be feared of it again most uh, you, you run an ethical practice and you know you'll never hear from us the vast majority of the people never uh, never uh, come in contact with us uh, we are, are I would say that we meet six times a year mm -hmm. our next meeting is August 12th and it's it's they usually on Mondays and it's in uh, one Penn Center in uh, Harrisburg and the meetings are open. Hmm. I mean, and particularly for uh, individuals that are beginning to study right. in the field, grad students or whatever, it's a, it's a very unique learning experience mm -hmm. to come and watch the board right. do their deliberations. Oh. And we, we'll go into executive session at times to discuss specific cases, mm -hmm. but all the votes are public. And to see the interactions and see how mm -hmm. uh, the board works is, I think, very, would be a very positive experience for some uh, any, any psychologist but right. just uh, uh, particularly students right. so yeah that's wonderful thank you yes and so the state board is here to protect the public and in that essence, in yeah. turn protects the integrity of sure as a profession sure profession. exactly so thank you so much for talking with us today um, the chair of the State Board of Psychology and heading into a second four-year term. Great.
Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Dr. Black. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Psychology Radiocast, a service of the Pennsylvania Psychological Association. We'd love to hear ideas from you about important or fascinating topics that we might cover. Email us at ppa at papsy.org. You can also find us at papsy.org. Please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you found us. iTunes reviews seem to have the most influence on making it easier for potential listeners to find us. Our project manager and audio editor is Amelia Herbst. Logo and artwork designed by Camille St. James. Music orchestrated by Raquel Emder and Ross Mann. Special thanks to PPA staffer Judy Huntley and PPA members Jessica Black, Bernard Seif, Kim Wesley, Lee Burnett, Cassandra Parrish, Lavanya Devdas, Nancy Raymore, and Molly Cowan for helping to make this podcast possible. As always, the views of our guests may not necessarily reflect those of PPA as an association. Until next time, I'm your host, Dr. David Zarung.